Father, we cry out to you. And we say to you that we need you, Father. We cry out that you would open up the heavens. That you would pour out your grace and love and mercy, your spirit to come upon us. To change us and transform us, Lord God. We need you. We need you, God. And so we're crying out to you today. And Father, speak to us. We are here, your servants are here, and we say, speak, Lord, for we are listening. Lord, we don't need to hear from a man. We need to hear from you. So speak to us, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Would you please remain standing? for the reading of God's Word this morning from the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 9 to 21. I welcome you to turn there uh, with me. It's also on the screen. I'm reading from the uh, ESV, the English Standard Version. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Okay, uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, so my name is Fred, Fred Cressman. I'm one of the, um, I'm a member of the oversight team. And uh, it's our privilege to walk alongside uh, Pastor Humphreys um, and all of our pastoral team and our staff team to provide encouragement and strengthening and prayer to help provide spiritual oversight for the church and spiritual guidance as well. And so happy to be, to be a part of this. And of course, we love being a part of Flood Church. Amen? All right, so if you love being a part of Flood Church, let's give Flood a big yay God. Ready? Yay God! So it's just a joy to be a part of this church family uh, together. And one of the things that we're talking about, so this is the, the second message in a new series, um, which is focused on this um, idea 
of what it, what does it look like for Flood Church to really be making an impact in our community? And I think Pastor Humphreys last week kicked us off with this idea that would said that would say if we were no longer here, if you weren't here, if we weren't here, Flood Church wasn't here, would anyone notice? And that's a great question. Um, that's what we're asking. And so there's a difference that's made by us being here, by us being together, by us, first of all, being with God, being in his presence, having him abide in us and abide in him. That's, that's a difference that's made, amen? I mean, the, the power that is present between not just one person being changed, but all of us being changed and doing life together. And then as we live out the authentic life of a Christ follower, a difference is made. And today we're focusing on the idea of what is the difference that's made when we truly live in sincere love, walk in sincere love with one another. Um, that that really does, it transforms us, it transforms our church, and it transforms this community. Because we live in a community, we live in a city, we live in a nation, we live in a world that needs Jesus, amen? That needs transformation. We live in a world that doesn't really know what true love is, amen? Now, love according to the world is conditional, but according to God, it's unconditional. In other words, in the world, when we love, we expect something in return. But in the kingdom, when we love, we don't expect anything in return. We just find joy in the loving, amen? Because that's what God has shown to us. Because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us even when we weren't loving him in return. And it's that kind of love that he wants to put inside of us that we can love each other with. And it's what people are missing. People in the world, they always expect something, right? Like when you do something kind for them, generous for them, loving toward them, they're always wondering, hey, what's going on? We had an experience. We had been gone for a while. We, uh, we came back, and the staff at our, our house came up, and they were so friendly when we returned. And I have to make a confession. I was wondering, oh, man, what do they want? But they didn't want anything. And so we need to be those kinds of people that are offering love and generosity and kindness to others without expecting anything in return. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read through this passage, I'm reading about a lot of things that you and I are called to do. And just to review, Paul says, let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to love to what is good, love one another with a brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, don't be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. That's a lot of stuff, isn't it? And I don't know about you, but when I read that, I start to get a little bit overwhelmed. How can I do all of those things? But then he doesn't quit there. He keeps going on, and he gets to the harder part, doesn't he? He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty or prideful, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. 
as po if possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with everyone. Never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. Instead, we should feed, give food to the, give food to our enemy when they're hungry, water to them when they drink. And that that seems impossible, doesn't it? Because it's easy when we think about loving people that are easy to love, but it's difficult when we think about loving our enemies. And uh, and how is this all possible? Well, Paul answers that question at the beginning of this whole chapter, verses 1 and 2. And it says it's only possible with God. This kind of love only God can empower us to live out. And that's why Paul, at the beginning, he begins with these first two verses. He says, um, I urge you, therefore, brothers, in view of God's mercy. So seeing all that God has done for us, this is what we should do. Um, that we should offer our bodies, our whole selves, as a living sacrifice to God as our spiritual act of worship. So we offer ourselves to him. And then he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Now, what Paul is saying is that the only way for us to discover this kind of love is to surrender ourselves completely to him. We die to ourselves and we live to God. And we ask God to come in. We ask Jesus to come in and transform our hearts and lives because it's only his transformation of our hearts and lives. It's only ourselves surrendered completely to Jesus Christ that empowers us to be able to love in the way that Paul is asking us to love. How will people know that we are disciples of Jesus Christ? Well, the word of God says it's by love. This is how you will know that you are my disciples if you have love, one for another but it's difficult to love isn't it are you with me it's not an easy thing to love and it's even harder thing to love our enemies but this is the thing that's supposed to separate us and, and mark us out and sometimes we just feel that it's too difficult and I was thinking about this whole idea about about being people of love because to tell you the truth this is I think that God just always gives me the sermons to preach in the areas of my greatest weakness. Because if I think about myself and Cindy, and I think the person that's easiest to love in our couple is Cindy. I mean, Cindy's always, she's always nice and self-giving and generous and all those things. I just don't think of myself in those terms. So then what does, what does God give me? He gives me a message to preach on love. So I have to be honest with you today, I'm feeling so convicted. Uh, even last night, I was so uncomfortable about preaching this message today. And I think it's, it's because God was just convicting me that this, this message is not just for you, it's for me. But as I was thinking about this um, and how against our nature it often is, we feel like it often is to, to love others and especially to love our enemies, I came across this, it's a kind of a parable or a story about uh, this idea of loving those who are difficult to love. And the story goes that there was, a, there was an old man, he was a holy man, and he had gone to the riverbank to, to pray and to meditate. And as he was meditating and praying, it was the rainy season, and there was a, a large tree limb that was hanging over the river, and he was sitting there praying and meditating, and the water was starting to rise and to get higher. And he noticed that on the very end of this tree was a scorpion. And, but what he noticed that as the water was coming up, he knew that the scorpion was not going to survive. The scorpion was going to be drowned in the water. And, and 
we know that he was a holy man because he was compassionate for a scorpion, right? <laughs> I think most of us would say, okay, well, fine, the scorpion's gone. Too bad. But this holy man was, was compassionate because he knew that all creatures are from God and all creatures have value in God's eyes. And so he wanted to do something to rescue that scorpion. So he started to crawl out on this limb, on this tree, and he tried to, with his hand, tried to catch the scorpion and save it from being drowned. But every time he was reached out of his hands, the scorpion did what scorpions do, which is he would sting his hand. And so he would try to escape it, then he'd pull his hand in, and then, or try to rescue the scorpion. The scorpion would sting him, and then he would pull his hand in. And then he would try, he still wanted to rescue him, so he tried to rescue him again, and the same thing happened. Now, there was a passerby that, that came along, and he noticed what this old holy man was trying to do and he said to he said to him to, to this man, to this old man he said it's not worth it he said because it's in the nature it's only in the nature of the scorpion to sting he will never come with you so that you can rescue it and the old man turned to him and he says yes I know that that's the nature of the scorpion but that's not my nature my nature is to help and to rescue and save and I th thought that was such a powerful story because it speaks to us that when we have been born anew in Jesus Christ, we receive a new nature. And now our nature is to love. Our nature is to show kindness and mercy. Our nature is to forgive without expecting anything to re in return. And isn't that what love is? Isn't love considering the needs of someone else and seeking how we can lift, up, lift them up and strengthen them and help them for no other reason than because God loves them. And that's what we're called to do, and that's what we're called to be. Now, Paul in this passage, he's so concerned for the Roman Christians. He's never been to Rome himself, but he loves them, he's heard about them, and he wants them to be living an authentic Christian life. And what does an authentic Christian life look like? Because that's what we want too, amen? We don't want to just live in word, but we want to live in deed. We don't want to just say that we're a Christian. We want to live as a Christian. And it goes back to that question that we're answering. If we were not here, would anyone notice the difference? Well, if we're living for Christ, if we're living in his love, if we're living by his grace, everyone will notice because they'll notice how different the life of the Christian is from the life of the world. And... So this is what Paul is saying. He's saying the Christian must live a life that's different. It's not marked by insincere love. It's marked by sincere love. It's not marked by just loving those who are kind to us, but loving those who hate us. It's loving with the love that Jesus loved with. Because when Jesus was on the cross, he looked out upon the crowd, his accusers, and those that, that were condemning him, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. It's that kind of love that we're called to, to have. It's the kind of love that you've experienced. And it's the kind of love that I've experienced from Jesus Christ. Because the word says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we didn't deserve it, he came for us. When we were his enemies, he loved us. And God's word is so clear about this from beginning to end when he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He loves the world and he wants the world to be saved 
And he loves you, and he wants you to be transformed. And he wants to see the world transformed. And how will the world be transformed? The world will be transformed through God working through you. And that's our goal, right? We want to see upcoming generations transformed. And how are they transformed? Because we bring them to Jesus. It's through Christ that people are transformed. And it begins with you. As you're transformed, you will bring the transformation to other people. And this is what Paul is telling us in these verses. But then how will we be transformed? And so there's really four things that I'd like to share with you today about how we'll be experience the transformation that we need to be the people he's called us to be. And by the way, I was thinking about this because there's a benefit to preaching twice. At a first service and a second service, you get to think a little bit about about what has transpired. But one of the things is that, that when we are transformed by the love of Christ, it not only transforms everyone we meet in the world, but it transforms this church. So this church becomes a people, a community of love. It becomes a different community. And I'm telling you, people aren't used to that. They aren't used to an environment in which people find forgiveness, acceptance, love. People aren't used to a place where, where people are going to stick with them no matter what's happening in their life. That even though they make a mistake, you know, when people make mistakes, they're used to people abandoning them. But people aren't used to is when they make a mistake, people staying with them and walking with them and praying for them and encouraging them and not giving up on them. Amen? Because that's what God has done for us and that's what he calls us to do for each other. So as we become that kind of community as Flood Church, it becomes so transformational in the community. And I'm telling you, this is rare in the church. Amen? Are you with me? Do you agree with that statement? Maybe it's controversial, but it's rare in the church. And we want, but we want to be that church. Amen? A church that is known by the love of Christ. Because it's the love of Christ that changes us. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Right, so there's four things that these, this passage is going to tell us to do. And the first thing is, is, that, is that if we are to be this kind of authentic Christian, we first begin by looking up. We look to Christ. We look to God. Now, sometimes we think about love. It's about what we do. But really, first of all, it means understanding and knowing the love of God and that only comes when we put our attention on God himself because God is love amen God is love and if if we're to love then we have to understand and find out what love is from God and so we have to come into his presence we have to experience his love ourselves in our lives. We need to learn from him and from his word what love is like. And we need to have him change us on the inside so that we can love in the way that God loves. That's the only way that we'll be able to love like this is that if his love is living in us so that it can pour out to other people. But it first begins by looking up to him, spending time in his presence, understanding from his word what what love according to God is and what love according to God is, is it's like. And knowing that we can't love in this way on our own strength, it's only by God's strength working in us that we'll be able to love one another in this way. And so we have to spend time in his presence, looking to him, learning of him and of his grace and mercy because everything that God does comes from a heart of love. 
All of God's attributes, all of his characteristics are marked by love. God is love. Brothers, let us love one another, for God is love, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And so it begins by coming into his presence every day, seeking him, knowing him, coming near to him. So the second thing, so we first of all, we look up and then we look out. Because as he fills us with his heart of love, he gives us a concern for others. And so we don't look to ourselves, we look to other people. Now, oftentimes when, when we talk about a worldly kind of love, we're always asking the question, what is this loving act going to cost me? So we say, uh, you know, we say, well, if I just had time, I would do this for someone else. Or if I had energy, I would show this kindness to somebody else. But when we've been transformed and been in the presence of God, we don't think in that way because we're not thinking about ourselves, we're thinking about others. When Jesus was on the cross, he wasn't thinking about himself. There's a song I learned when I was a, a young person, and I won't sing it today, but it, it's called, I Was In His Mind. Before the world was made on Gethsemane, when he rose from the grave, I was on his mind. And so that's why for us, if we're to have the mind of Christ, if we're transformed by Christ, we're not going to be thinking about ourselves, what this is going to cost us. We're going to be thinking about other people, how we can bless them, how we can show kindness to them, how we can lift another person up. We'll be moved with compassion for others. We'll have that desire to reach out to other people, and we'll find joy in that. We'll find joy in it because we know it brings joy to God. And so that's our goal, is we want our greatest joy to be in seeing other people lifted up and strengthened. Amen? So first of all, we look up, then we look out, and then we look in. Um, and what I, this may be a, a little bit of a challenging point for us to make today, but when we are looking inside, we're really looking at our, at hope. So what I mean by this is that oftentimes when we are loving other people, we're worried about the result, about, about the outcome of showing that love. And sometimes we begin, we become discouraged because when we show kindness or love or mercy or forgiveness, when we're trying to help other people, sometimes other people are like those scorpions, right? Sometimes people aren't very lovable, amen? Is that true? Or is everyone just lovable? Turn to your neighbor and say, you're just so lovable. <laughs> Okay, all the women did that, and all the guys went like this. So, no way I'm saying that, right? Yeah, loving, loving other people is not for the faint of heart, right? It's not easy because sometimes you do something kind for other people. Sometimes you're reaching out to them, and, and they just don't respond the way that you wish that they did. And, but we don't have to worry about that, right, because we're free, because we're not loving other people. We're, we're loving other people. We're showing kindness to other people because it's what God calls us to do. Because by loving others, by showing acts of kindness to others and mercy and forgiving others, we're doing it not 
even for that other person. We're doing it ultimately for God and for His glory. And we know it's, 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 we're doing it out of be obedience, so the result, the outcome is not up to us. The outcome is up to God. And so we forgive others because God tells us to forgive others and commands us to, and it brings Him joy, and it brings us joy and freedom. Now, whether or not that other person responds, we can't control that, can we? And that's why we, have, we look into ourselves to be reminded of the hope of God. Because there was a time when we were an enemy of God, when we were apart from God, when we were unlovable, when we were unworthy, and God came for us, amen? The, the, the song that we sang uh, today about God pursuing us with his, with his love, his reckless love, meaning there's not any, I mean, God was not going to stop in coming to us, right? I mean, he is with us, he is for us, God with us, he came for us even when we weren't looking for him. And we remember that when we think about other people. And so we, we know that, that every person needs to have someone that loves them, that will reach out to them, that will pray for them, will be concerned about them. And our responsibility is to just try, is to just Show kindness. Do simple acts of generosity toward other people. Show love in the best way we know how and grow in showing love to other people. And then we really leave the results up to God. And we know that there isn't anybody beyond the reach of God's love. Amen? Because we were within, within the reach of God's love. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we begin to think that we're better than we are, and this is why Paul in this passage says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but remember, remember where you've come from and what God has done in your life. Therefore, everybody, everybody deserves to be loved by us. Amen? And, and we can't ever start considering ourselves, oh, I'm better than this person, or this person is less valuable, and we do this all the time, don't we? We do this all the time. We think, oh, this person is great, has greater value and this person has lesser value. No, we all have value in God's eyes because he's created us in his image. We're all human beings. And God loves all of us and wants to redeem all of us. Whether there's somebody that the society and the culture considers of less value or greater value. We are all equal in God's sight, and he, all, and he came to die for each and every one of us. And because of that, he calls us to reach out to every person, every strata of society, every economic situation, every physical situation, every social situation. God is calling us to be those people that, that reach out. And we learn this by looking in and remembering what God has done for us and knowing that if God can love us, if God can save us, he can love and save anybody. And he will. Our role is just to be obedient unto him. So we look up to God. We look out to serve other people. We look inward to remember of the grace and sovereignty of God. And then we look forward. 
We look forward to the mission that God has given us, that he wants to serve him with zeal and passion. And we can have zeal and passion for reaching other people with the love of God because we're doing it not for others, not for ourselves, but for him. We're doing it for the glory of God. So every time you show kindness to someone, God rejoices and all heaven rejoices. Every time you show love to other people, every time you pray, every time you forgive, there's rejoicing that happens in heaven. And we have that, that joy that comes into our lives because we are know we are pleasing the one who has loved us so deeply and who has sacrificed so much so that we could be saved. so we serve him with zeal and passion many times we lose that sense of zeal and that passion because we start to look at love as a duty as rather than a joy and when that happens it's because we've forgotten about our own salvation before Christ and so this is our calling our calling is to be people who are marked by love transformed by the love of God and then transforming other people through the love of God. And so if this is our goal, then what's our response today? What should we do? Well, there's five things I'd, I'd like to propose to you that we do as we end our time together. The first thing is to repent. Repent of loving in an insincere way. Think about your own life. Think about the way you have either tried to love or failed to love others. And you may find, like me, that this is a lacking area in your life and you need to repent and fall before God and just say to him, God, I'm so sorry. I've only been thinking of myself. I haven't been thinking about others. And so repent of loving in insincere ways. Secondly is return to God. I mean, this is the only remedy, I mean, to be honest. I mean, we have all these things in Scripture that says we've got to do this, 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 and this. And at some point, I just throw up my hands and I go, oh, my gosh. I can't do any of it, right? I mean, I can do some things for a little while, but I can't sustain them. It's only God. God's got to do a work in us. It's got to be Him. And how does God do a work in us? It's only when you and I get in His presence. Spend time in His words. Spend time in His presence lay out our hearts, pour out our hearts before God because we can't do it on our own strength. Only God can do it through us. And then look for ways. Just look for one way that you could show kindness to one person this week. It takes action. We can say that we're called to love, but it's not love until something happens, until we do something. And so pray for someone encourage someone, forgive someone, help someone, walk with someone. If you see someone who's downcast and they're struggling in this work, just tell them, you know what, I'm with you. It's going to be all right. We're going to make it. And then pray. And what I want you to do is I want you to pray that God would put the name of someone in your mind, in your heart this week, that you don't like. <laughs> someone you have trouble loving. Someone you usually avoid. Someone when it speaks in here about those who persecute you, though your enemies, 
Who comes to mind when you think of that? Pray for God to put that person in your mind and then find one way that you can show kindness to them this week. It's difficult, isn't it? And doesn't Jesus say this? I mean, is it true? Didn't Jesus say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you? Doesn't it say in these verses, instead of getting back at someone, instead, if your enemy is hungry, give him something to eat. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. It's hard, isn't it? That's why we need God's help. But pray. Pray that God will put somebody in your, a name in your mind this week of somebody that you can reach out with his kindness and his love. And then finally, get back into community. We can't do this alone. Of course, we come into God's presence. We have him transform and change us, and we pray, and we seek to show kindness to other people, but we also need each other to make this work. And get back into your growth group, your GG group. Get into a community group. Come to the prayer cafe. Get together with other Christians in some ways because when you're gathering with other people, then it puts you in an environment where you have the chance to show love and kindness to other people and learn love and kindness from other people. Amen? That's what he calls us to do. So it is my prayer that together we will learn to be the people that God has called us to be, people that are marked by love and generosity and selflessness, who are willing to lay down our lives before Christ and to become the people that he's called us to be. Amen? Let us pray. Almighty Father, we know that you call us to be a people of love, a people that are willing to lay down our lives for each other, to sacrifice for each other, to forgive one another, to enter each other's lives, to do the hard things for each other and with each other. You're calling us to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us. You're telling us to not do what seems more natural to us, which is to get back at those who hurt us. But instead, Lord, you're calling us to just surrender them to you and instead to show kindness and mercy and to pray for them. God, would you change us? We need you to change us. We need you to change us and give us a new nature, God. A nature of those who will be able to love. I ask that for myself, Lord. That you would change me. That I could be a more loving man. A more godly man. And I pray for us as a people. That whatever happens, that flood church would be known. That flood church would be known as a people who love God with all their heart and love each other and love the community and love the outcast and the widow and the orphan and the forgotten. That we would be that kind of community. Because, God, that's what this city needs. That's what this community needs. That's what this nation needs. That's what we need, God. And I think, God, if we could all be really honest today, we'd really admit that we really dream of this. We yearn to be a people where we are fully loved, 
and fully known. Where we just can't wait to be together. Because this is a place where people are changed by your love, Lord Jesus Christ. So open up the heavens. Open up the heavens and pour out your Holy Spirit and make us this people in Jesus' name.